0: Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 9. We'll be looking at verses 36 through 43. Uh, two weeks ago we read the passage just prior to this where Peter healed Aeneas, a man who'd been paralyzed, who was bedridden for eight years. In, and in many ways this present passage echoes that healing of Aeneas. There's a lot of overlap between what Peter did in Luda and here in Joppa. But the differences are important. In Aeneas' story, we saw how God's grace meets burdened people and brings relief. But here, in Tabitha, we see something about the life that God calls good. And while Aeneas' healing was a sign of the wholeness that God intends to bring to us and to all of creation here... The sign is pointing us toward God's intention for the life of Jesus to permeate through his people. But in order for us to really understand what God is saying to us and to believe his word, let's ask for God's help to hear what he says to us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your written word. May your Spirit speak to our hearts now through the reading and the preaching of that Word and in our celebration of the sacrament. We ask through your Spirit that we may be given the grace to see Jesus Christ, our only hope of salvation. In his name we pray. Amen. Acts 9, verses 36 through 43. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. Which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Ludo was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made when she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, y'all can come up and join me. Yeah, you can sit on the stairs. Come on up. All right, guys, I showed you this funny spoon a while back, and I told you a story about a feast that a king threw, uh, a feast with some very happy people there and some very unhappy people. Do do you remember how the unhappy people tried to use their spoon to eat? How did they use it? Who did they try to feed? I don't know. You don't know? The unhappy people tried to feed themselves with their spoon. But it didn't quite work, right? They, they tried to feed themselves with these funny spoons and they were really unhappy. But do you remember how the happy people used the spoon? They, each they fed each other. They could reach. They could scoop across the table and chomp. <laughs> That's right. The, the happy people had learned how to use these long spoons by watching their king and how he ate. And we see that kind of learning in our sister in Christ that we just read about. Her name was Tabitha. She lived a very long time ago. She had learned from Jesus that living a generous life toward others, a life where we provide for others, is actually the best way to live. And so she had made clothes for people who couldn't afford their own. In her Jesus is encouraging us to live that same kind of way, feeding others, taking care of others. But did you hear what happened to her in that story? She, she got sick and she died. Yeah, and, and then she died. And, and the other Christians were, were very sad, of course. But when Peter came, God did something amazing. Through Peter, Jesus raised Tabitha back to life again and and when he did that, Jesus taught us something more about his generosity toward us because he was giving her back to the people who needed her. She was going to keep on living generously toward others. She would keep taking what the king had given to her and give it to others. But we also have to understand that Jesus' generosity is even bigger than that because he was also showing us what he plans to do for all of us when he comes again. Because there's, we have to be honest, guys, there's a good chance that you and I might die before Jesus comes again. But that's okay because Jesus is showing us through Tabitha that not even death can stop Jesus. Because Jesus died and He rose again from the dead, He has power over death itself. And He plans to generously use His power to rescue us. And and that hope, that hope sets you and me free today to live even more generously toward each other. We can use whatever God has given to us to do good to others. And because we get to live that beautiful way today and forever with the Lord, that's why we call this Good News. You believe it? All right. Thanks, guys. You can go back to your seat. Turn in your Bible, if you haven't already, to that passage in Acts. Throughout the book of Acts, we have learned about the faith of the early church The substance of what they believed. And it's this. Jesus is Lord. He's the king and he is establishing God's kingdom. It's true that all people have been in rebellion against God. But now God graciously offers forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus is that rescuer that God had promised long ago. And he was crucified in the place of sinners so that he would bring us back to God. But even after his death, he was raised again and he lives again. And, and the church believed that there is, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven, uh, under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The, the church believed that when we stop running away from God and, and instead embrace Jesus... They believe that God gives His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, as a gift to empower a new life in God's kingdom. So we've heard a lot about the faith of the early church. We've heard about what they believe. They believe the teaching of the apostles, those witnesses to Jesus' life and death and resurrection. The, The apostles spoke the gospel of Jesus and they also did signs and wonders that authenticated them as authoritative messengers of the risen Christ himself. And, and the, the message of the gospel and the signs of the gospel, those things worked together, capturing the hearts and the minds of people, convincing them of the goodness and the grace that is in Jesus for sinners. The, the forgiveness that he granted to his enemy like Saul... It, it showed people that there is no one who is beyond God's grace. And the kindness that he showed to a broken, burdened man like Aeneas showed that Jesus is not only gracious towards sinners, but he's also powerful to heal and to restore them. That powerful goodness and grace of Jesus was powerfully attractive people came to him they believed in him because they saw that in Jesus God's kingdom was breaking into this world and they believed themselves to be citizens of that kingdom by faith in Jesus so we've seen a lot about the faith of the early church but how did that faith work itself out in life? How did their beliefs beliefs work themselves out in their lives? How did those, um, what did those distinctive beliefs produce in terms of practice? How did those beliefs shape the values and the behaviors of the early church? To ask that same question another way, how does faith in Jesus show itself? Well, look at Tabitha. Because we learn something about how faith in Jesus shows itself through her. We're told in verse 36 that she is a disciple. To say that she's a disciple is to say that she's embracing Jesus, obviously, but in what sense is she embracing him? Who is Jesus to her? Well, it's safe for us to say that she is embracing Jesus as her Savior. She's putting her hope in Jesus' sacrifice of himself for her, which is what he offered on the cross. But to say that she is a disciple is to say something much more than that. It means Jesus is not only her Savior, but also her Lord, her Master. As a disciple of Jesus, Tabitha is endeavoring to live as a follower of Jesus. She is his student, And she is learning from him not only what she is in him, a forgiven and beloved daughter of God, a citizen of his kingdom. She's not only learning what she is, she's learning from him how to be, how to be, how to live as one of God's children, how to behave. As a citizen of God's kingdom, how to hold and to act out the values of the king. In other words, as a human being created in God's image, broken by the fall, but now rescued from sin and death by Jesus. Tabitha is learning from Jesus how to be really and truly human. And so that's a part of our answer, faith shows itself through a life of discipleship, through a life of discipleship. And that's a major part of what we're about here at Trinity. It is our mission to make and equip mature disciples of Jesus Christ, helping us become what we already are in Christ. Forgiven children of God and citizens of heaven. We want to grow up into Christ-like maturity. Learning from Jesus about what it means to live as human beings the way that God intends. Because He has rescued us from slavery. To sin and death. And He's rescued us to a radical new life. And so broadly speaking... That's how faith shows itself through a life of discipleship. But we can be more specific with that answer. Uh, Because if you want to see more about what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, then look at Tabitha. Because in her life you get a glimpse of another way real faith shows itself. You see it in this phrase in verse 36. Look there. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Now, you guys know that people can be full of lots of things. Greed, lust, fear, anxiety. But faith in Jesus has filled Tabitha with good works and acts of charity. That is to say, Tabitha's discipleship has not only produced right beliefs, but also right actions. Her faith is not merely in words but it's also in deeds. She embraces Jesus as her Savior, and she also obeys Him as her Lord as He calls her into a life of others-oriented love and service. And so if we're asking how faith shows itself, then seeing Tabitha, we can say that faith shows itself through a generous life. A generous life. We We can see evidence of Tabitha's generosity in this story. She used her resources, her time, her money, her abilities to make clothes for those in need. That's that's what the widows show Peter in verse 39. They show the the tunics, the the garments that she made. But I want you to slow down here. Because there's something easy to overlook that we should not miss. What what she's done seems so simple, so small, so ordinary. She's making clothes for widows. In the eyes of some, that may not fit uh, their definition of a generous life, but, but that's just it. You understand, life in God's kingdom does not work with the same values or conform to the same expectations as life in this world. And that means that in her discipleship, Tabitha learned something from Jesus that you and I need to learn and to practice as well. Do you remember what Jesus told the twelve after they'd been secretly arguing with each other about who was the greatest among them? Jesus said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Our sister Tabitha had learned from Jesus, learned that Jesus has a very different definition of greatness than we do, than we naturally do. We naturally think of greatness in terms of prominence and assertion and wealth and power to bring uh, sweeping reform, to bring great change. But in the kingdom of God, greatness looks like service. It looks like sacrifice. It involves choices not to assert oneself or one's rights or one's authority, but rather to use one's resources and rights and time and money and abilities. Use all those things for the good of others. This generous life. Of God's people is not unique to the New Testament church. The church under the Old Testament believed and practiced the same way. Proverbs 31 describes the excellent wife. I've got one. But we know that the characteristics that it outlines is not only praiseworthy in those who are married, Listen to how the work of this woman, which flows from her faith in the Lord and her knowledge of the character and the values of God's kingdom. Listen to how her work is described. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. We don't know if Tabitha had any biological children. But can you hear her spiritual children, these widows who depended on her, blessing her to Peter? They are literally wearing the evidence that she has opened her hand to the poor and reached out her hand to the needy. They are dressed because her faith showed itself through her generous life. Now you and I today, we can be full of lots of things But from Christ and from the example of our sister, we need to learn the goodness of being filled with love for others that expresses itself in good works. Because that life is what Jesus calls us to as his disciples. Naturally, apart from his grace and his spirit, we will only live as if we belong to ourselves. But resting in the gospel that tells us we belong to Christ, we can grow in our understanding that if we belong to Him, then we also belong to each other, too. I belong to you, even as you belong to me. And that good life to which Jesus has rescued us is actually this life that we spend in service of each other. Now, if you're like me, there's some need here for some self-examination. We we have to realize that our faith always shows itself. Faith always shows itself. What you believe, whether you're a Christian or not, what you believe will always show itself. And so if you want to know what you functionally believe, not just what you say, but what you how you function, You need to look at how you live. Do you spend money most easily on yourself or on others? Do you view your time as your own and get agitated if others intrude upon it? Thinking that I belong to myself and acting as if others exist to serve me and my needs is what comes most naturally to me. But such Self-centeredness is of the essence of sin, but that is not the way of Christ. And we must learn from him that the good life is the one that looks like simple yet tangible generosity. But what is deeply encouraging to me is how the same spirit that is in Tabitha is in any number of you in this church Denise Jensen knows the Lord and His kindness, and she shows that kindness to many of us. Many of us have eaten meals organized by Denise as the body provides through the plan that she sets up. Lynn Swan and Lisa Patty pray faithfully for this whole church. Carrie Bender gives so much time and energy for the sake of our kids. Jessica Brantley literally keeps this church functioning. You understand, I don't mean to leave anybody out. And I don't mean to discount our brothers here. But it should not escape our notice how often in Jesus' church our sisters show us Clearly what this life of generous service looks like. Time would fail me if I tried to mention everything that our sisters do. Shelley Burns and Amelia Christman and Tracy Freak and Anna Love and Deanna Peck and Whitney Williams. This list just keeps on going. I don't mean to leave anyone out. I just want us to understand that from them and from the Lord we see how real faith shows itself. Through a generous life, a life spent using our gifts and our resources to be a blessing to others. And I want to encourage all of us to pursue this kind of life toward each other and toward anyone that the Lord puts into your path this week. One way that you can actually do that today is by supporting the work of our deacons. We've got some great deacons here who model generosity to us. Uh, But they depend on the generosity of this community giving to the Mercy Fund. Now, there's actually a long history in Jesus' church of giving special additional gifts on Communion Sundays to support the work of the deacons, and I would encourage you to prayerfully consider doing that today. Any cash offerings on Communion Sundays are typically given to the Mercy Fund. And if you write a check and just add Mercy Fund to the memo, It'll get to the deacons to support to enable them to do the work of mercy, this generous work that they do. Now in, in Tabitha's life, we see how faith shows itself. Knowing that she belongs to Jesus and to the kingdom of God, she lives in light of the generosity of God. And she works to push back against the wrongs of this age. But at this point, we need to go back to her story. And we need to ask, why is a generous life not enough? Why is a generous life not enough? If we go back to the story, we see why a generous life today isn't enough to right all the wrongs of this age. We see that there is still a problem that needs a solution, a deep wrong that needs putting right. Because Tabitha, this generous disciple is taken away from her community. She dies. And the grief that we see in her brothers and sisters, it echoes in our own experiences today because then and now we know that God's people who do good things still die. In verse 37, we learn how it happened. Illness took her life. And after she died, following the Jewish tradition, they wash her body and they laid it in the upper room. But then they heard. They heard that Peter was a few miles away and they sent two men to urge him to come. As one writer puts it, their friend was dead and it was too late to send for a physician. But not too late to send for Peter. Post-mortem meticus, a physician after death is an absurdity, but not post-mortem apostolus, an apostle after death. And if there's a chance, they knew that if there was a chance for this wrong to be put right, it's with Peter. And Peter comes. Going to that upper room, he sees Tabitha's body and the widows standing beside him weeping, showing him what Tabitha had made when she was with them. But notice what Peter does next, because we hear echoes of Jesus's own work in Mark 5 and Matthew 9. Peter puts everyone outside. Those people are hoping beyond hope because they know that the spirit is with Peter in an unusual way. And Peter knows what the people want. He He knows why they have called him then what does Peter do? He kneels down and prays because he does not know what the Lord wants. He knows that this task is beyond him. He didn't pray. We're not told that he prayed before he healed Aeneas. But here, in the face of death, Peter prays because he doesn't know what the Lord would have of him. But in what happens next, we see the Lord's answer to Peter's prayer. He says, Tabitha, arise. Her eyes open, she sits up, and taking Peter's hand, she is raised up from the dead and given back to her community. As Tabitha is raised from the dead, we need to see two things. First, we see Jesus' solution to this present grief. But second, We also see what else the Lord intends for us, even beyond a generous life today. Because when Tabitha is raised, we see Jesus' intention to restore all of his people to life. In her rising, we see his promise about the age to come. But first, I I want you to think about this generous gift that Jesus gave to his people in Joppa. If we understand what Paul would later say, that it is far better for a believer to depart this life and to be with Christ. He says that in Philippians 1. If, if we understand what Paul is saying there, then we can say that what the Lord did through Peter was actually something costly to Tabitha. Do you understand this? To say it another way, Tabitha was not the one being rescued here. The poor and the widows of Joppa were the ones being rescued because the Lord was giving back to them this faithful woman whose faith produced a generous life. By being raised, Tabitha is pulled away from her rest, back into a disciple's life of labor and service again. We don't know how Tabitha processed that. But what a relief that must have been to the saints in this town, especially to these widows. We, in this, we have to see, as the, we have to see that as the Lord commending her way of life, encouraging others to follow the same pattern of life that He established and she imitated. And so for you and me, for as long as the Lord gives us to each other, let's pursue this life of good works and charity toward each other. But that leads me to the second thing. We have to pay attention here because the Lord wants us to see the present blessing that it was to give Tabitha back to them. But we also need to see this future hope that's given. Because Tabitha wasn't raised forever. Her being raised from the dead was only temporary. She died again. But if we see how, like in the healing of Aeneas, this miracle points like a sign toward Jesus' ultimate intention for His people and for all of creation, then we can see Jesus' second, further intention. We can see in her rising how Jesus plans for His resurrection life to permeate through His people forever. Forever into the age to come. Because the Lord here is pointing us toward his power over death. And because he himself has been raised up, he is assuring us that we also will be raised like him. In fact, the same word that is used of Jesus being raised up is used here when it says that Peter gave her his hand and raised her up. It's the same word. Though she was raised only for a time and would experience death again, Jesus is showing his power over death, assuring you that because he lives, you who hope in him will also live. Today, you and I know and grieve the reality that death is still a part of our experience in this world. Death separates us from those we love. Death remains an enemy to us. And we need the Lord to intervene. But the gospel tells us that the Lord has intervened. And he intends to again. As Paul says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And Tabitha's rising here is pointing us toward our sure and certain hope that Christ has and will conquer death completely. Soon it will belong to those former things that have passed away along with mourning and crying and pain itself. Those things will be banished on the day when the Lord wipes away every tear, when His kingdom comes in its fullness. For disciples of Jesus then and now, Tabitha's restoration of life to life is encouraging us toward generous lives today with the promise of his generous restoration of us and all creation in the age to come. But as, as we see this, there is one more question we need to ask. What happens when people believe in Jesus' intentions for today and tomorrow? The The present goodness and the sign of future hope seen in Tabitha's rising was not missed by the people of her town. As news of what happened spread, verse 42 tells us that many believed in the Lord. That is to say, when people believe in Jesus' intentions for us today and tomorrow, new life spreads that generous new life spreads as more people put their faith in Jesus, as more people embrace Jesus, not only as Lord, not only as Savior, but also as Lord. And can you imagine what life would have looked like in this town, in Joppa? It must have been different than before. But here and now, as we hold to our faith in Jesus, and we seek to live out that faith in generous lives, following the example of Jesus and our sister Tabitha. We know how good life is here together. It's not perfect, but it's really good. We, we do still wrong each other, but Jesus is teaching us to forgive as He forgives. We, we still have needs But Jesus is teaching us to prefer one another and to use our resources of time and money and abilities to be a blessing to others. We still bury those that we love. Today I am clothed. I am dressed in a tie that my brother Brent gave to me. But Jesus assures us that in him is the hope of eternal life. where where we will enjoy the Lord's generosity toward us that he purchased at the cost of his own blood. In all these ways, we seek to live as Jesus' people, pulling as much of the life of the age to come into our lives today. Today, we are learning to set aside selfishness. Today, he is teaching us to be generous, even as he has been generous toward us. We see the generosity of Jesus here at this table in front of us. This table, yes, it points us back to the cross and to the blood that He shed for the forgiveness of our sins to bring us into His kingdom. This table also points us toward His generosity toward us today as His Spirit already applies the resurrection life of Jesus to all of His people transforming us, strengthening us, empowering us to live generously toward God and toward each other. And this meal is also pointing you forward, assuring us that soon and very soon we will see our King when He comes again, bringing with Him His kingdom of life and light that now we get glimpses of only dimly through each other. But because our King lives, He guarantees to us that we will see the bright dawn of that kingdom. And He gives you Himself to strengthen you and bring you to that day. And so today, if you hear Jesus' voice, if you see Jesus' goodness and generosity, then answer His call and come to His table. Come in faith, because this is not... Trinity's table or this denomination's table, it is the Lord's. This meal is for all those who have been baptized into Jesus and publicly profess their faith in Him by joining themselves to His church. Now, if that is not you right now, then the Lord Himself says that it would be better for you to not eat and not drink. To simply let these elements go by because this is no ordinary meal. But as you watch others eat and drink, let me encourage you to do this. Ask God to help you see this generous Savior whose lordship leads people into a beautiful life together. And then come and talk with Philip or me or any of the other elders so that we can know him better together and maybe eat together next time. But let me pray for us as we come to the table. Elders, will you come as I pray? Heavenly Father, we, we come to you and we celebrate your generosity toward us. That you have shown toward us in giving your son Jesus. Father, you have, have said that you, you, would, you wouldn't withhold him from us. So, Lord, how could we expect you to withhold anything that we need? Father, we praise you for this meal. And, and we ask now that you would, by your Spirit, set apart these elements for our benefit so that as we eat and drink the body and blood of our Savior by faith, our souls would be strengthened to stand firm until Christ comes. This we ask, Father, to the praise of your glorious grace. And in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.